Your immune system is more important to your general health than ever before. Lily of the Desert Aloe Vera Juice is clinically proven to help support white blood cells that are crucial to protecting your immune health. Make Lily of the Desert Aloe Vera Juice part of your daily health regimen. You can even add it to your smoothies and juices. Visit www.lilyofthedesert.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Naturally Savvy Radio. My co-host Andrea is away today. Oh my goodness, where do I start with COVID? I mean, there's so many issues. And one of them is the fact that I keep walking by the chocolate drawer. Now, granted, it's 70% or higher, but I'm eating much more of it than I would in the past uh, because I'm always home. So I'll go by and I'll grab a you know a couple squares and then I'll do some interviews and I'll do some exercise, walk the dogs. And I'll come back and then I'll walk by again, walk by again, walk by again. Now I have to keep cookies, chips, the whole nine yards out of the house. Otherwise I would just be eating all the time. So it is tough. The reason I'm talking about this is because we've got a fantastic guest right now, Dr. Christopher McGowan. He is one of the few physicians in the nation who is triple board certified in internal medicine, gastroenterology, and obesity medicine. And he is world renowned leader in Endobariatrics, uh, a new field of gastroenterology that aims to address this ob- the obesity epidemic without surgical intervention. So we're talking about uh, obesity. We're talking about COVID. We're talking about controlling ourselves. <laughs> Dr. M, welcome to Naturally Savvy Radio. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so much to talk about. I think we've all been affected to some degree physically by COVID-19 You know, over the past several months. Maybe it's just from walking by the, you know, the pantry multiple times a day, but there's so many other reasons. And so waking has been really, really common. Yeah. And, and, you know, we heard about the freshman 15 and now isn't it the COVID 15? Tell us about that. Yeah, it's it's the COVID 15, very similar to the freshman 15 without any of the fun. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> I know, this isn't college. What the hell? No, not at all similar. I think this, the similarity is the uh, the way you've gained the weight rapidly, you know, stress, alcohol, change in diet. So I think those are the similarities. But um, for for those reasons, the weight gain for many of us has been pretty rapid. I think stress being the biggest factor from the get-go, kind of immense stress that we were all blasted with suddenly. So being triple board certified, so that means that you can practice internal medicine, gastroenterology, and obesity medicine. How did you know you wanted to study this? Well, yeah. So three board certifications, you know, it's many years of training it, and it, it happened um, kind of indirectly. I'd say I was, I've always been very interested in nutrition and exercise. I, it's, I'm someone who've exercised, you know, every day uh, though, you know, I, I'm a child of the eighties. So I have like no nutritional foundation growing up. I, I was raised pretty much on garbage. I'd say, you know, uh, Lucky Charms, like, was my breakfast probably through elementary school. I don't know how I survived in school, but I think, you know, probably around high school, I realized the importance of exercise and eating well and how physically and mentally, you know, we can feel so much better. So that's definitely been really important in my entire life. As a physician, I entered a specialty, my primary specialty being gastroenterology, which is really closely linked to what we eat. You know, what, what we eat affects our gut health, our digestive symptoms, many disease processes uh, are directly related to weight uh, in terms of fatty liver probably being the most prominent, but even just irritable bowel, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, they're all affected by weight. 
what I realized is I knew how to take care of myself, but even with all of that training coming through medical school and residency, I had very few tools to counsel patients. And I was discussing weight on a daily basis with patients. And what could I say? Uh, you know, eat less and exercise more, which works 0% of the time. So for me, what, what happened is around five to six years ago, there was this amazing new field that was just emerging. And that's the endobariatrics that you mentioned, where we have these really incredible tools to help people lose weight that are you know, minimally invasive, using similar tools to what I use on a daily basis to perform endoscopies and colonoscopies. And now we can utilize that technology to help people lose weight, to do these very um, you know, safe endoscopic procedures. So that's how I arrived at where I am currently. Well, you know, it's funny with the lucky charm. So my mom was a health food nut. Her mom was a health food nut. I got sweet cereals once a year on my birthday growing up. Wow. That's it. And it would either be Lucky Charms or Captain Crunch. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, the only thing with Captain Crunch, I don't know if you remember this, but it kind of made the roof of your mouth feel scratchy. Do you remember that? Stuck in the teeth, too. Absolutely. Kind of God, that was horrible. Yeah. So I think I would go with the Lucky Charms. <laughs> Speaking of teeth, you have beautiful teeth. Oh, hey, thanks. Twice a day brushing, uh, frequent flossing. Mm -hmm. Now, talk to us about uh, some of the endobariatric procedures. And you said they're endoscopic. Is this like a lap band kind of kind of thing or even smaller? Less invasive. Yeah, really? less invasive than that. It's an entirely new field. It's a, one of the most exciting areas, definitely in weight loss and, and in, I argue in medicine. So what we're doing is, uh, so currently, if you look at bariatric procedures, the most common surgery is the sleeve gastrectomy. It's like 60 to 80% of bariatric surgeries. That's what's performed. And that's done laparoscopically. So like the lap band you mentioned, that's done through incisions through the abdominal wall. So the recovery is relatively fast, but it's still six weeks of healing time. What actually happens, if you don't mind, because I'm curious. Yeah. So the traditional sleeve gastrectomy involves stapling the stomach to make it into like a narrow banana shape and then cutting away that 80% of remaining stomach. So that's a sleeve gastrectomy. It leads to weight loss by restricting how much you can eat. And there's some other metabolic effects. The downside of that, uh, even though it's really advanced over the past decade and is quite safe, but there's still risk. There's surgical risk. And what we found, what we know is that no one really wants surgery. I mean, it's just a fact of, of people who are eligible for bariatric surgery, only 1% actually pursue it. So there's this immense need for other options. So of the procedures that I perform or that are available in the endobariatric world, the counterpart to the surgical sleeve is what we call the endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty. This is the main procedure that I perform, and it's pretty remarkable. We take a flexible scope. It's a camera mounted on a flexible tube. We go down through the mouth into the stomach, and on the end of that scope is a suturing system, like a little sewing machine. And so we actually stitch the stomach from the inside and make it smaller. So we're mimicking the sleeve shape that you can achieve surgically, but it's done internally. So we're not cutting through any tissue. We're not removing anything. So the recovery is ultra fast, um, you know, um, a couple days, you know, people are back to work in two to three days. So that's the major advance. And we, we see really good weight loss with these procedures. 
Now I'm guessing that, is that for somebody that is really obese or overweight? I mean, I'd hate to think that someone who gained 15 pounds, but otherwise they're healthy. Absolutely. No, this is for someone who has really tried diet, exercise, they've, you know, done everything, maybe medications and haven't been able to achieve that weight loss. So it's someone who needs to lose more than 10% of their body weight. So that's correct. Um, and, and But that's what I hear every day from my patients is, hey, I've tried this and this and this. I've been working on my weight for years. Maybe I've gained an extra 15 or 30 pounds due to COVID and I need some other solutions. So it's certainly not for everybody, but it's a nice uh, tool to have or these are tools available for people who, who just haven't had other options. So rather than staples and rather than a sleeve, you're taking the actual stomach and sewing it to make it smaller. So you're not cutting anything out. No cutting. Yeah. Just stitching internally. Yeah. To make it smaller. And now what is it like in terms of the meal size? Is that the same kind of thing? Like you have to be really careful about what you eat and how much you eat or you can get sick and that kind of thing. This is just from what I've heard. I don't know a lot about the you know, gastric bypass. It's not as extreme as a surgical procedure. Yeah. What you're referring to would be more relevant to a gastric bypass where there's intestines that are rerouted. You know, you can't overeat, you can get really sick with this. We're just restricting, uh, the portion size. So after the early recovery period, my patients are eating a completely balanced, normal, um, nutritional plan, just less. And so it's this feeling of satisfaction sooner. And, and we have to sometimes do these things to, kind of trick the body into losing weight because it's just very difficult. Yeah, it can be difficult. I mean, we're going to try our best to get people to make the healthy lifestyle changes, obviously. This is by no means an easy way out. So of course you need the foundation of diet and exercise, but yeah, when health uh, conditions need to be improved, these procedures work, you know, reversing high blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, once you lose 10% of your body weight, which is really the minimum that we see with this type of procedure, then most of those conditions are reversed. So that's a, a real benefit. I mean, there's obesity and then there's morbid obesity. What, what's the difference? Right. I think it's really a classification. So we, you can classify obesity into what well, we look at overweight versus obesity based on the body mass index. So the BMI 25 to 30 would be overweight. Above 30 would be obese. Morbid obesity is above uh, 35 to 40, depending on the classification. We have class two and class three. Uh, so class three obesity being the highest, and that's a BMI above 40. So that's someone who is a true surgical candidate. Now, as far as procedures, if someone comes to me and says they've gained 15 pounds due to COVID, we're not doing a procedure. That would be completely inappropriate. But uh, And in that circumstance, the weight can come off by making those adjustments, getting back into activity. Gyms are open again. I mean, that's a real advantage, at least here in North Carolina. Yeah, I think that's what's so important is, is helping people get the tools that they need. I'm very lucky. I have a Pilates reformer that I got secondhand about eight years ago. And for a long time, it just sat here doing nothing because I was going to a class. Well, now... I do it twice a week and I can work with someone over Zoom, which is amazing because I have some injuries and they know my they know me well. I've worked with them and I've got weights and I've got bands and get, you know, you have to find this is so cliche, but you got to find something you like. If you hate jump roping, don't flip so and true. jump rope, right? If you hate yoga, don't do yoga. But try different things and see what sticks because whether you're overweight or not, you got to exercise. And that's the thing. I mean, real weight loss, there's an expression and you might know this, Dr. M. What is it? 80% is in the kitchen and 20% is 
in the gym or something like that. Like you can exercise till the cows come home, but if you're overeating all the time, it's not, I don't think it's from what I've seen, it doesn't mm-hmm. make a big dent, but you need it for your uh, bone density, for your muscle mass, for your heart. How about for your mood as well? I mean, that's so important. Yeah. And that's, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, I'm not familiar with that phrase, but it sounds correct. Uh, yeah. Nutrition is the foundation. For, when we're talking weight loss, it's pretty much all about nutrition. If you look just at exercise for weight loss, it's not terribly effective, but it's so important for all of those reasons that you mentioned. So, but you're right. You have to find something you enjoy. And the simplest thing when I'm counseling patients is, well, let's just go for a walk every day, you know, maybe 30 minutes, five days a week. We'll start with that. Everybody feels better after a walk, you know, mentally. So you can start there, but then ultimately find something that you enjoy. That is definitely key. If it feels like work, you're probably not going to do it. Uh, I also highly recommend to people, if you can afford it and you have the time, get a dog. I mean, I have to be honest, I live in the Northeast. So when it's 20 degrees outside, I would not be just going for a walk, most likely, but because I would find something to do in the house, you know, um, exercise wise. But I got dogs and they need to get the flip out. So having a dog and it's also really good for this time of COVID in terms of emotional comfort, people who are living alone, who are lacking touch, who are feeling lonely. And then again, tying this back in, people are going, there goes Lisa on a tangent, but I'm tying back into food. You know, if you have something that is making you feel better, maybe you wouldn't turn to food as much. Do you have any pets, Dr. M? I don't. No, my wife has an irrational fear of all animals. So we, we are, there's no, uh, no pets allowed. Yeah. My mom, uh, also, well, my mom had a fear of dogs and she didn't want any pets because she always said they're too much work. So I begged my whole, well, my whole life, I begged and begged and begged for a dog. And they said, well, actually they didn't say maybe for bat mitzvah, but I kept thinking maybe for my bat mitzvah. And then they got me a water bed. I'm like, no, this really, I can't walk this. Like this is. <laughs> They're like, well, you said you at one point you wanted a waterbed too. And I was like, oh, God. remember waterbeds, Dr. You don't, you don't hear about those very much you're anymore. Young. See, you're young. You're younger than I. You're a kid in the 80s, right? right? I was a kid in the 70s. So it was like a, a definitely a different thing. So let's talk a little bit more about what, when you see people in your practice, are they usually at the point where they're like, I've done everything I need a surgery or an intervention? I mean, my patients work so hard to lose you know, they, they lose like five pounds, but working for a month or two months or three months at diet and exercise. And how depressing is that? And that just speaks to the complexity of losing weight. Well, talk to us a little bit about that complexity. Well, I think that what we're battling, we are battling just numerous mechanisms that are designed to preserve weight. I mean, that's just how we've evolved for survival. And you think of, there's one hormone called ghrelin, which is the, it's just the most powerful hormone. You cannot overcome it. You know, if you try to, and it's a hunger hormone, it causes us to feel hunger. So if you say, well, I'm just not going to eat, you can, you're, you're fine for the first six hours, eight hours, 12 hours, maybe even 24. And then you just can't overcome it. That's because the ghrelin starts rising and you're forced to eat. The same thing happens if you just reduce your calories and try to lose weight through just calorie restriction through sheer willpower, you can do pretty well for a while, you know, weeks even, but then you can't. And that's why everybody regains after diets because that ghrelin level starts to surge and it will overcome everything that you're doing. So that's one of the main things we're battling just hormonally. And there's many other mechanisms internally. 
And one of them is just we, we reach a set point that our bodies are frankly happy with. And so it, it's hard to overcome that or to, to budge that. Right. Yeah, it is complicated because I'm definitely seeing changes in my body that I'm not happy with. But at the same time, I've incorporated weightlifting back in. You know, I have a Pez acerine injury right now. I don't know if people know what that is. But if you if you feel to this inner part of your knee and you go down a little, there's something called the Pez acerine. And you and I have bursitis. There's other people, right, who have injuries and they're not able to be as active. And then if you're not active and you get older, it just compounds the problem. And that's why we go back to it's in the kitchen, right? Because some people can't work out or they might have some physical ailments or something. Absolutely. Yeah. But joint pain is probably one of the main things I hear. You know, I'm on, I'm getting close to a knee replacement. I need to get the weight off. You know, that's a big, big motivator, but you, you can lose significant, you, you can lose all of the weight you need to just by adjusting your diet. Absolutely can be done in our program. There's nothing fancy. This there's no, we don't, I don't even like the word diet. This is just healthy eating. We like to talk about macros, your carbohydrate, protein, and fat breakdown. We want it to be balanced. So, um, you know, currently there's very popular, you know, keto is still like really popular. Um, that's not something I'm ever going to recommend for the long term. It's not sustainable. So we're talking about balance, you know, in terms of the breakdown uh, of those components. So each meal should contain all three of those components in a, in a balanced ratio. And it might vary depending on the person um, and, and, you know, health problems. And, but generally, um, you know, around 40% protein um, and then the rem- remainder split between fat and carbohydrates is a nice breakdown. So your breakfast the lucky charms don't hit that. They just don't cover all of those, by <laughs> no, the way. They, they, yeah. they do the opposite. Yeah. So, you know, starting with uh, you, breakfast, you know, I mentioned eggs already. So, hey, that's a great protein source. And then work in some fruit um, and maybe some, some healthy fats. Nuts are always a great thing um, for snacking. Uh, I know you had a guest recently talking about, you know, planning for the week. And it's so important. So if you're planning all of those snacks and meals to have those components, that's healthy eating. So we don't really stress anything extreme. This has to be practical and we want it to be healthy. But then there is the calorie component. So we will generally gauge um, the caloric needs of each patient and try to set a, a goal. We're trying to achieve, when we're talking weight loss, at least, we're trying to achieve that calorie deficit. But we don't want to go too low. And that's uh, another thing we see people do, which is um, not helpful. So you have to find that sweet spot in terms of calories. Females trying to lose weight, we would generally say stay below 1200, but it, it does greatly depend on your activity level. Men would be below 2000 or 1800 typically. Um, but I have patients who are incredibly active, you know, CrossFit five days a week. They still need to lose weight. So we're going to set that threshold higher and they'll still lose weight. Because they need it for the activity. That's the problem sometimes too, right? The calories are too low and you're doing a ton of exercise. Now, would you say keto is okay for the short term? I think it's fine for the short term. Absolutely. It's just not generally going to be a sustainable diet. And uh, and often keto is not done in the most nutritious way. Properly done keto could actually be reasonably healthy. You know, when you're talking protein and a lot of healthy vegetables, some fruits, that's not a bad way to eat. But often people take a... Uh, slightly lazier approach, or I don't say lazy necessarily, but you know, I know. Yeah. So a little less healthy. That's not really what I would recommend. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to add today, Dr. M that we didn't touch on? 
we covered most things. We did. I don't. If you want to touch on, we didn't talk specifically about COVID related like complications. I mean, it's kind of important. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So uh, it's not what patients come to me about. You know, truthfully, no one is saying, hey, you know, I need help so that I, I don't, you know, I need to reduce my risk of like hospitalization from COVID. I don't hear that much, but it is a fact. And it's kind of scary if you look at the numbers. It's actually kind of fascinating. So uh, obesity and COVID, if you're obese, your risk of hospitalization, the ventilator, you know, intensive care is like at least twice as high. Your risk of death is two to four times higher. They're kind of scary numbers. But the interesting that thing, it's probably not that surprising to everyone. But what's interesting is the mechanism. So you would think that, or I would think initially, that uh, obese individuals have high blood pressure, diabetes, all these other health problems. Maybe that's increasing the risk. But if you actually look at the studies, it's independent of all of that. So it's just obesity by itself. So then what, what actually is going on there? It's, it's really very interesting. And there's, there's some theories that maybe it's the pro-inflammatory state, or there's actually a receptor that resides in the fat cells that allows for the virus to enter the body. Maybe that plays a role. So there's, these, there, there's, there's all these factors independent of other comorbidities that contribute. So uh, it's kind of a little scary. If you look at uh, one study out of Kaiser, uh, if you're below the age of 60, obesity is the greatest risk factor f for death from COVID-19. So wow. I mean, all the more reason to lose weight. Right. To wear a mask. Wear a mask. Social kind of distance. Important. Very. So people who are obese and maybe they're just suddenly like, holy crap, if I get COVID, I'm screwed. So you're hearing that. High risk of being screwed. No, seriously. Yeah. It's... Um, Again, I don't hear it as often, but it's there. I mean, I think I, it's probably in the back of people's minds. I don't think people come to me. They don't need any other reasons to lose weight. Like they've been, it's been the focus of their life, like trying to lose weight. So, but it is one additional thing that, man, I, I you know, I, I've got to get this weight off now. It is. It's a scary time. And it's great that you're doing the work that you do. Dr. M, how do we learn more about you and the work that you do? Yeah, Lisa. So I could be reached through my website, which is trueyouweightloss.com. And we have a lot of information and resources and explanations about what we do. And so I can be reached there. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to Naturally Savvy. You can find us on social media at Andrea Donsky at Lisa Davis MPH at Naturally Savvy. Thank you so much for listening. And your immune system is more important to your general health than ever before. Lily of the Desert Aloe Vera Juice is clinically proven to help support white blood cells that are crucial to protecting your immune health. Make Lily of the Desert Aloe Vera Juice part of your daily health regimen. You can even add it to your smoothies and juices. Visit www.lilyofthedesert.com to learn more.